Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to focus on the theme today. We're changing the topic from what we previously announced. Our guest tonight will be Steve Bannon from Washington, D.C., Gina Loudon from the East Coast, and Lindsay Keith, also from the East Coast. We're going to have them give reports probably in that, possibly in that order. We're waiting for Steve Bannon to come on. I think we'll go, uh, Gina, right to you. Jim, Steve Bannon is on. He is on. Okay. Uh, Steve Bannon, welcome to the World Prayer Network call. Are you able to hear me? And are you unmuted? I believe you're still muted this time. Can you unmute? Yeah, he's still muted at this point. Um, The Joy of a Live Production. Are we able, Steve, are you able to unmute? Gina, I might go to you to start with, and uh, and we'll, we may have to uh, break yours into two parts. I apologize for that if we, if I'm, we have to do that. But um, Steve, if you're able to unmute, can you hear me, Steve? Yeah, I can hear you. I think I just hit star six and unmuted. Wonderful, can you guys hear thank me? you. Steve Bannon, thank it's you. an honor to have you on. Can you, are you in a position to talk to us about Give us some sense of understanding of Marlago and the FBI raid that took place recently. Help us to make some sense of what is going on in our nation, if you would. Look, I, I, I'm glad to hear you had Dr. Gina on also, because I think she knows a lot of details. Look, it's, it's, it's outright war against anybody in leadership and others in, the, in this movement. I mean, President Trump today spent, what, six hours being grilled by Letitia James, the Attorney General of the, you know New York, who's absolutely weaponized the entire uh, New York and uh, Southern District of New York, the U.S. attorneys in New York, the New York attorneys and the Manhattan attorneys all against President Trump in all of his business operations. And the FBI, you know, it's just another aspect of this. Now today, late in the afternoon, a Newsweek broke a story about, you know, some mole inside the Trump organization that did this, but the buried lead in the story was that Senior Justice Department officials are saying, hey, we had nothing to do with this. The FBI's done this. Chris Ray's responsible, et cetera. So what you're going to see is that every aspect of our government is weaponized against not just President Trump, but also anybody related to the America First or the MAGA movement or, quite frankly, the Right to Life movement. So every Christian should understand they're going to be absolute target, uh, 100%. So I would just be – everybody's got to understand we got to go to the ramparts right now. We don't have any – opportunity to back off. I gave this talk at CPAC on Friday night, and I said, we're at war. You have to understand we're at war, and we got to start acting like it. Everybody's got to get every activist out there. We have to get engaged. Everybody's got to become, you know, uh, a, a weaponize themselves for the Army of the Awakened and get to work, because the only way we're going to do this is, is beat them at the ballot box and then crush them afterwards. So we're not going to hug this out. We're not going to reason it out. You're not going to argue this out or debate it out. One side's going to win, and one side's going to lose. So if we want control of the nation and, and make sure that we have, uh, we can pass on to future generations a Judeo-Christian uh, Western values uh, of a constitutional republic to, to bequeath it to you know our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, like it's been bequeathed to us of 12 or 13 or 14 generations of patriots. Then you got to go to work, and you got to dedicate your entire life to it. People are put. I tell people, put away the golf clubs, stop watching the streaming shows, Yellowstone, and all this crap. Cut it off, and get to work. Twenty hours a day, seven days a week. Commit yourself, and if you do that, we'll win. Because we have the people. We obviously have the policies. We've got the leaders like President Trump, but just don't think they're coming for Trump. They're coming for everybody. Uh, you make quite a statement. I've been flying all day, so I missed out on this one. You said the the DOJ says, what did you what did you say a moment ago? It, it wasn't us doing that. This was just the FBI. Did I understand you correctly? So, so Newsweek broke a story this afternoon that talked about there was a mole inside the Trump organization that that led DOJ, <coughs> excuse me, led the FBI, who gave the FBI certain information about where documents they were looking for in this archive situation. We're located. So that was the headline. But the, the leading real meat of the story was down in the body of the story. And the story had two important aspects of it. Number one, they admitted 
that all this was about this archivist situation, which President Trump has been going back and forth with the archives for over a year. And, and the lawyer, his lawyers have been engaged with the archivist lawyers and quite frankly, DOJ going back and forth. In fact, they recommended they put a bolt on that, on that, uh, on that storage room where he had it. So he put a bolt that they cut off yesterday or cut off on Monday. In addition, in the story, two senior level Justice Department, DOJ officials who were not uh, free to give their names, they had to be anonymous for Newsweek, but had direct knowledge of the matter. And Newsweek's a, you know, it's a lefty organization, a pretty good news organization. Had direct knowledge of the matter, said, hey, we didn't know anything about this. This was FBI, the FBI went, the FBI gave the affidavits, the FBI got the warrant, and the FBI executed this. And quite frankly, they said the FBI didn't think it was that big a deal. So, and they actually made some derogatory comments. Now, do I believe that's holy? No, but I do think DOJ realized how radioactive this is and are trying to throw the FBI under the bus. So if this is true, Ray ought to resign on Friday, but we're got, this firestorm is now going to go up to the next level. Regardless of who's at fault, to me, it's zero probability that Ron Klain or someone senior, Susan Rice or Ron Klain, didn't know about this at the White House. I can't, I can't imagine they would bet his presidency on something this outrageous, you know, and, 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 and not know about it. Now, their belief was that the never Trumpers and all the buildup against President Trump would say, oh, you see, he's breaking the law, classified documents. They didn't realize they never envisioned a million years they would get the blowback. They would get the blowback they got. So that is that is a huge development. And that's why I think everybody's got to have President Trump's back right now. So are they getting blowback um... Again, because I've been flying all day, I'm out of the loop. Have, have they getting blowback from independents and even uh, Democrats on the impropriety of this action? Trafalgar, who's a pretty good polling operation, put out a poll this afternoon, 54, on very limited information, remember, because the information is out there very limited. On initial uh, information, I think 54% of independents believe that this is Trump's political enemies weaponizing the, the FBI to come against him, which is a pretty high number coming out of the box. 54% of independents, I think it's like 80% of Republicans. This is really, this essentially has been a, what I call a, because I've been, and, and Gina knows this, I, I've been, and Pam knows this, I've been a huge advocate and quite frankly, very vocal about President Trump should have announced for the presidency. And I, I thought he should have done it even a couple of months ago. I've been, I've been pretty adamant that he should go now and, and do what I call a field clearing exercise. And uh, but this, I think, is done it. You know, Ron DeSantis is coming and has back. Mike Pence has had his back. Only Tim Scott is the only one. Tim Scott's not really relevant. But he's a nice guy, but he's not relevant. But he's the only one that's been out there and been pretty hesitant. Even, uh, you know, McCarthy put out an incredibly strong statement. I think Mitch McConnell came out last night. So, no, this is united. Even the never Trumpers and even the National Review crowd uh, in the polling looks very good. Here's why I know they have a problem. If you watch CNN and MSNBC at night during primetime, they're not spiking the football at all. In fact, many of their most prominent people have came out on Monday night and have said categorically, this better be, this better be more than just the archives. This better be that they had direct J6 information, they had things about quote unquote the insurrection and that's what they're there for. Now, people will tell you when the FBI goes down for something like this, this is, this is, you know, this is what they're doing. They're trying to find additional information for other things they're working on. But, they have all the leak reports that they have said, and even the New York Times report, that this was principally about the archives. And if that's the case, the worried looks on um, on um, on uh, MSNBC and CNN at night for the last couple of nights, you can tell they're worried about this. They 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 think this thing is radioactive and could be a big misplay. Any organization like the FBI that that planted stuff, I mean, the Steele dossier, wouldn't they once again plant something? I, I think it's a great point. I think it's, you know, you've had Bernie Carrick and very smart people on myself. I said, you know, number one, we don't have the body cam footage. Number two, they cut off the videos immediately at Mar-a-Lago, which is highly the place, is, as Dr. Gina knows, is every inch of it is essentially videotaped except for the, the private rooms and residences at all the public space where these documents would be. Uh, would, uh, would, or where they would have any search, all that video was cut off. The, they, the lawyers and the people, their staff were not allowed to, to view any of this. They were not given an inventory, which is normal. That's so far what we know. 
The procedures were very, you know, very slapdash. Uh, they they rifled through Melania's. Uh, they went through his private part, his private residence. They went through his desk, uh, and they wouldn't allow people in as they went through his private papers. And they went through and went through all of Melania's clothes. And I mean, they desecrated this place. They, this is what you call in uh, law enforcement a flex. They want to flex and show the target. Uh, exactly what they could do with their life. So it's, you know, they're playing smash mouth on this, but I think they realize at a high level, this is blown up on them. And we'll have to see if the, the, the archivist stuff, the, the, the lawyer for president Trump on this, Evan Corcoran is also, is also my lawyer. Now we never talk about this because that's his client on that. He's my, you know, he's my lawyer on other topics, but I will tell you, he's the one that's been interfacing. He is a 25 year federal prosecutor. He, he was at justice. He's, he's, a, he's a senior and highly respected federal prosecutor, and he is straight as an error. Some of President Trump's lawyers are a little edgy. This guy is Dudley Do-Right. I mean, he is by the book. And it, it is impossible that there was any miscommunication between the archives, the DOJ, and Evan, Evan uh, Carpenter. He's, he just, he's not that kind of guy. He's a very straight, very highly respected former prosecutor who's only come into private practice the last couple of years. And, I strongly recommended on that topic that President Trump, you know, retain him. He did, and so anything it, it, there, there can be zero possibility there was any miscommunication about any of this. When you talk about the ramparts and the, the ballot box is what you refer to, are, and you're now you've switched to the legal. Uh, is our court system? I, I hate to ask such a question. Sounds so negative. Are we such a banana republic that our, that our court system that the, the President Trump couldn't even get a fair shake? in the courts on this or what can you tell us what other than the ballot box 88 days from now or whatever it is uh is the court system a possibility for the president at this point well the good news is and this is why his victory in 16 was was so incredible and you know pam can talk to this is that we've made dramatic changes in the court system i mean the judges not just the the the, the, the uh, conservative, cultural conservative right to life judges and, and pro-family and pro-life, but as importantly, what I call deconstruction of the administrative state. You have many federal judges now at every level, including the Supreme Court, that think that this Leviathan is out of control. And that's why what EPA versus West Virginia was such a landmark decision. It quite frankly will roll through the entire government. In addition, the independent state legislatures decision in North Carolina that'll come up next year is also will be monumental. So no, at, at certain level, we have it now. The, the, the system is rife with, uh, with, you know, hard left progressive judges. And you've seen that in all the different Trump situations that, that look, they went to one of the keys here. They didn't go to the judge, the federal judge that's actually overseeing this, this, uh, this essentially lawsuit between the archives DOJ and the president, they didn't go, they got a magistrate, you know, he's a federal magistrate, but a magistrate's like an administrative. They went to a magistrate, which is pretty shocking to, to, to go after the first time you've ever desecrated or gone into a president of the United States home with law enforcement, with the FBI. Uh, they went to a magistrate to get it, which actually boggles the imagination. That's why Tom Fitton has sued to get the affidavits, what they said. Look, you know, from personal experience, and it goes back to right after 16, we won. I was immediately, uh, you know, put under surveillance, as was Jared Kushner, General Flynn, and a couple others, uh, with the with what we now know they absolutely lied on the affidavits about the whole Russia situation. I mean, the affidavits that they took to the FISA judge, the FISA, the FISA judge did not make a mistake. Given that the FBI had given them, which is the bald faced lies, he actually made. A, 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 a logical decision. The problem was the affidavits were bald faced lies. So Tom Fitton has gone in and sued, I think today to get uh, to actually have those affidavits come forward and have the to have the uh, search warrant itself made public. I think the search warrant may actually be made public sometime tonight or tomorrow morning, but we'll have to see. The, the, look, the FBI is too far gone now. Starting at the time of Louis Free, you know, up until then the FBI was a organization had a lot of Irish Catholics in it, a lot of, you know, Christians in it, a lot of, you know, middle-class people. You either had to be a lawyer or an accountant. And I think starting in the late 90s under Clinton, they realized that the FBI was too straight an organization, had done, you know, had really made its reputation. And they changed it. And what you see today is a woke FBI. I mean, James Comey is totally corrupt. And look, I was adamant about not bringing Ray in. Ray was 
Comey's deputy for five years. He's, he's, he's Chris Christie's personal lawyer, and Chris Christie is the biggest scumbag as you could meet. So the president made a mistake, made a huge mistake. Quite frankly, it was because the Senate panicked about getting rid of Comey and really kind of forced Ray on it, but it was a mistake, and this guy's been a disaster. And I, I'm to the point that I don't think the FBI can be salvaged. I think it has to be taken apart. You should know there, there's dozens and dozens of whistleblowers coming forward from the FBI, good field, good FBI special agents, people in the field that are absolutely terrified of how the FBI has been so politicized. So I'm of a strong belief that even Ray's resignation doesn't do it. I think that next year when we, when we win in November and start these committees, these investigations, I think through both the investigative process, but also the appropriations, I think the FBI is going to be choked down on money until we know that it's radically reformed or either liquidated and start over again. I'm not, not sure, given our constitution, right, at the state level, why we even need an investigative apparatus at this federal level that can be politicized and turn against political enemies. So it's this is going to be a big controversy. This is not going to go away. Even with this President Trump thing, it's much deeper. And look, they just hired 80,000 IRS agents. you got to remember, in hiring the IRS agents, at the same time, they took out the only significant tax on the wealthy was the carried interest tax on the hedge funds and the investment banks. And cinema demand come out. The only significant tax on the wealthy was basically taken out. No matter what lies are spent, you can read that document. Basically, people under $400,000 a year are going to pay for this entire fiasco. And they just hired 400,000 or 80,000 IRS agents to focus on essentially middle class people. They're going to focus on people that jointly make from $100,000 to $400,000 are going to be, your life is about to change radically because they're going to be all of those 80,000 agents are essentially to audit and to squeeze every penny they can get out of every entrepreneur or every couple that makes over 100,000 bucks. Mario, I have so many more questions I have, but I want to respect your time. Mario, what questions do you have for Steve Bannon? Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Steve. What do you think they were thinking? Ray or, or uh, DOJ, what, what was on their minds of why they went forward on this? It's a great question. My belief is that two things. Number one, they saw a, 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 a they saw a real coming together of anti-Trump forces, anti-MAGA forces, both at political leadership and a lot of these media companies are started up. It, it not lost them. The Murdochs are virulently, and you can go to Drudge Day as a link to a big story about Lachlan Murdoch. The Murdochs, and particularly the Sons, are virulently anti-Trump. Um, you know, Trump came back and gave his first speech in Washington, this kind of incredible speech of about order and chaos. They didn't cover a second of it. They played all 18 minutes straight or 17 minutes straight of Mike Pence's speech, including blowing a commercial break. And Gina can tell you that that's like a mortal sin at Fox. So <laughs> they're pushing other candidates. They're pushing other candidates strongly. They also, I think the timing, I think Arizona shocked them last week. I think that shocked the established order in Washington to its core. I think the combination of Kerry Lake and Blake Masters just shocked them, particularly the amount of money. Carrie Lake had $30 million spent against her, really essentially negative ads when you add up her opponent's money, but plus the outside groups versus three and a half. And, and Blake was outspent dramatically. And I think that also shocked them. So I think that they wanted to move. They felt that given the timing, you know, Letitia James was going to get, and look, President Trump did take the fifth today. So uh, and, and he had every reason to, because he's basically saying, I'm not cooperating on this witch hunt. But I think they felt the convergence of forces and, uh, you know, he, he, we're 90 days out and they have, a, they have a rule of thumb, basically, you know, anywhere from 90 days to 100 days out, they don't want to get involved. So I think that's why they moved. And this was a political hit job. This was to, to, this was a, to kneecap him, thinking that the forces of the, the never Trumpers and Fox and everybody like that would pile on and say, oh, this guy's a scumbag. He took classified information. You know, this is what you're going to get. He's going to get police raids and, and things like that. And it, the exact opposite happened. So it's uh, obviously this is, you know, it's day by day of how it plays out. But I think that they misjudge this. And quite frankly, I think public opinion is going to, uh, and, and for President Trump, I don't think there's any doubt he's, he's going to announce. I think he's going to announce very shortly. Uh, and like I've recommended he should have done this two or three months ago, but I think now it's a foregone conclusion. He's definitely going to announce before the midterm elections. And seeing the backlash that they've experienced out of Mar-a-Lago, your thoughts between now and November, 
Will DOJ uh, go forward on an indictment out of the January 6th hearing between now and November? On January 6th, I don't think people have any worry. They literally have nothing. That January 6th, I think, also played the timing of this because if they could find anything, I think January 6th, and most people in D.C. will tell you, it's been an absolute debacle. The networks don't want it. They really, it's, it's been, you know, here's one of the things that hurt them not having, not actually structuring. So you had a ranking member that you had minority counsel. Remember in the past in Watergate or the McCarthy hearings or in Iran Contra, you had the drama of a courtroom drama because you actually had the advocacy system. Here it was just hearsay and, you know, it played to the, the Rachel Maddow crowd, but it didn't really resonate anywhere. People should know in my trial, you know, we had 100 people. Uh, I think virtually 100% of the working class people in D.C. for my, my trial Number one, had never heard of the J6 committee, and most of them were not that familiar with January 6th. This is people, mainly Hispanics and African-Americans, working class, good people, are given the information they had in my trial. I respect their decision because I didn't put on a defense. The government cut off all my defenses. But my, the thing that shocked me in the jury selection process is virtually, and this is Washington, D.C., none of them, not one had heard or watched anything on January 6th at all in the committee, nothing. Most of them only had a slight familiarity with what January 6th was overall. That's the reality out in the country. You know, I've been, ever since CPAC, I've been traveling the West. People, they're, they're, they're not, that, that's been a flop for them, a big time flop. So they have to come at him in other angles. I would tell you, I had the Secretary of State, Mac Warner, who's terrific in West Virginia today. And, and you should know that, remember those two massive voting uh, bills they had, the Senate SR1 and HR1 that didn't even get, you know, never even got airborne because they're so radical. It was basically federal takeover of elections. The, 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 it, the, he's going through executive orders. Remember, they, they've deputized or authorized 600 different agencies to be voter registration. They're, they're, they're going to pull every stunt in the world. You know, they, they don't really have the mail-in ballots like they did, although the mail-in ballots are terrible. It's not quite as bad as it was in 2020. But they will pull every trick in the book to, to, to not see power. Look, we're fighting for the control of the most powerful nation in the history of mankind and really the greatest force for good, or it could be turning for a force for evil, as we've seen in our own country. So this, they're not going to play beanbag. And you should understand that they are going to try to destroy every church. They're going to try to audit every Christian. They're, they're out. These people, they do not, they're lawless, and they have no boundaries, right? And they're godless. This is, this is nothing more than the Bolsheviks and nothing more than the, the culture, the Marxists and the Red Guards. They, they, and they're targeting, you know, traditionally they target the Kulaks. They always targeted the, the, what was the, 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 the top peasants in the village, the most organized peasants, the ones that were the, were, you know, went to church that really gave those little villages, whether in China or in Russia, gave them organization and order and something to work around. They always go for that. So that's why they're coming for not just you. They're coming for your uh, for, for every church, right? Every congregation is going to be under attack. Just, look, they call us, they call the moms, they call the parental rights people domestic terrorists. Think about if we had not fought all of this tooth and nail. Think about where it would be. Well, they're still coming and they still control the apparatus. And they understand now the courts may turn against them on the administrative station. This is not going to be, it's, it's, everything we've seen today is like a garden party compared to what we're going to see. So people should just strap in and you're going to have a, you know, this is not like Ecclesiastes says, you know, there's seasons. I would love for this to be the season of morning in America and sunlit uplands. That's not what we're in. We're in a period like the revolution. We're in a period like this civil war. It's going to be tough. And you're going to see who stands up and who doesn't stand up. So to me, it's, it's most important that we continue on building this army of the awakened. We're, we're not going to debate this out. We're not going to hug it out. We're not going to convince them. They'll never convince us. We'll, we'll never convince them. What we have to do is get the citizens of this country, as many as possible, awakened to what the reality is, and then get them to the ballot box and make them become advocates for this nation. So, so again, you, you do not believe that the DOJ is going to pursue criminal indictment against the president between now and November? I, did, I, didn't, I didn't say they were for criminal indictment for J6. I do believe they'll try to pursue a criminal indictment for him. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I do think in Atlanta and Fulton County, that, that DA is out of control, totally out of control. So I think they are aggressively. I, I don't see, and I've talked to some pretty smart lawyers, I just don't see anything to the, uh, the, 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 the J6. 
of, of what they're trying to tie him to. I just don't think it's there. In fact, remember, this was not an advocacy system. Right. Jason, all those people that told him, all those people that, remember, you have to have intent. All those people that told him that they got the little snippets, oh, we told him he lost. He goes, well, look, I can tell you personally, I can roll out dozens of people that every day told him the facts. And quite frankly, in courts in Wisconsin, we've essentially won in courts in, in, in the Supreme, in, you know, right below the Supreme Court in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We're in tough fights in Arizona right now. No, there, there were not just people that told him he won, showed him the receipts of how he won and how they stole it. And in addition, we've had a number of victories. When we really go through it, we've had a number of victories. So I, I, don't, I think on that regard, it's, it's all MSNBC fantasy talk. <clears throat> don't get me wrong. Not that these people won't try to do anything. I also think they've seen the blowback on the blowback, even on this FBI raid, of what the national furor would be on, uh, on trying to indict Trump on something on January 6th. So now there are... You got Letitia James. You have the crazy DA in Atlanta. That Atlanta thing. She's trying to kick up the dust on those. I, I think I would watch out, and I'd be be concerned of somebody that was so far outside the system or had their hatred of Trump that they would do this. My final question: uh, How confident are you that we're going to have full and fair elections in November? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. We're going to have to out. It's like Carrie. It's like. We're going to have to outvote the fraud and we're going to have to outvote the money and we're going to have to outvote their stealing. We're just going to have to. We don't have it's it's much better today than it was in 2020. Right. Much better. But listen, we have to take the Glenn Youngkin model. Remember, in Youngkin, they had had in the last gubernatorial race, I think, 25 percent participation of not poll watchers. I mean, workers, I mean, people that came as judges, except 25 percent in the presidential. It was like 27 to 29 percent. In Youngkin's victory, it was 95%. So everybody in your congregation should be, besides going the precinct strategy and getting involved in the Republican Party as a, as a precinct committeeman, every one of your congregations should, in addition, also sign up to be a poll, a, a poll worker or a judge. Get in, if we get in the room and start fighting over the count, that's where we're going to win it. No, we should, you should assume they're going to – look, look, let me be blunt. The Democrats cannot win if they don't cheat, and they know that. The smart Mark Elias and these guys know that. That's where they try to take away voter ID. That's where they have these mail-in ballots with no signature check. That's, that's where they have all this. It, it, and, and they understand that, and we understand it. The, the, the 20, look, in 16, I had teams everywhere prepared to walk into court immediately, immediately. And quite frankly, I was actually shocked that Hillary Clinton didn't take us to court in West Virginia and Michigan. If I had lost by that number, I'd be in the court immediately and make them prove it. I was quite frankly, I was stunned, but I had teams ready to go. We were upset. In 2020, they had nothing, literally nothing. That's where it became such a chaos. So this is all Kushner and stepping in these people, are totally unparscale, totally unprepared, totally you know, arrogant about this. They were warned about this uh, for months and months and months about the mail-in ballots. And I'm not even talking about the machines, which is a whole different category. But no, you're, you're hey, if, if we're... If, if we want to win, your congregations are going to have to be in the counting rooms and prepare to have those knife fights over the, the, the uh, uh, thought, uh, uh, you know, uh, basically making sure that only legitimate chain of custody legal votes count. Thank you so much, Steve. Back to you, Jim. I, I, I was at the um, we were at President Trump's speech in Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago. And my confidence in the FBI institution has dropped so, so low that I found myself wondering if he would actually be arrested coming back into D.C. Went through my mind. That's how, where, where we are as a nation today. Uh, Steve, when you mentioned the poll watching and the election judges, folks, 1,372 people from churches across Virginia is what changed the election. They had enough integrity in the election. 1,372 people election judges and so go to faith wins i think it's dot com or faith wins dot uh maybe dot us i can't remember faith wins we've had chad conley on a number of times in fact i was just with him uh today and he's recruiting poll watchers what we want is truth this is all about truth totally about truth so if you'll go there i just want to say a word of thank you to faith wins dot us faith wins dot us thank you so and by much. the way if, if, if Pam or Gina, if you can, I would love to have those people on the show. We need, look, you have poll watchers, which we need, but what we really need is poll workers. You need to be inside the room and you need to be an election yes. judge. And there's still yes. time to do that. 
But that's what we need. And we need people of faith. Every congregation in the nation should be all over this. We have to make Virginia a, a model of what happened. Hey, if we had had that same model in New Jersey that night, yes. Phil Murphy would not be governor. Phil Murphy would not be governor. And I got to tell you, there's probably 20 elections in Connecticut that night that we will win also. This is the key thing. If Democrats can't cheat, they cannot win. We have two-thirds of the people on our side, including Hispanics, African-American, particularly African-American men, and Asian-Americans. We, we have two-thirds of this country, maybe 70, 75 percent. That doesn't mean that they're, they're going to try to cheat at every level, and that's why people of faith should be all over being election judges. We've got to get people of faith inside the room for the knife fight. Just remind our listeners, our goal is one simple thing, is truth and integrity and transparency. Uh, Steve, I just want to, as I thank you, as I'm going to say goodbye to you, we kept you much longer than what I was supposed to. But I just want to tell people my first time, my only time to be in the studio with you and present with you, uh, after, as soon as you said hello and we jumped into some books, the next thing you, you opened up scriptures and you said, what does this verse mean? And you immediately went and began unpacking that verse from your perspective. And I've never forgotten that that when, when you jumped into the scriptures and began immediately to outline some things, it was it was a wonderful moment for me. And I'd like to privilege just praying for you. You uh, you stood like a rock in the midst of unbelievable heat. And I want to pray protection over you. Uh, Pam Pryor, are you on? And could you unmute and come on video? And, and I'm going to pray for Steve first and then you pray for him. Uh, Father, I lift up Steve to you right now. We, we, we hunger for truth. We, under, we, under, we hunger for integrity to be returned to the political process. And so, Lord, I ask you to bless him and encourage him. Give him health. Give him strength for the journey. Uh, may he know he speaks for so many. And thank you for even his quest of scripture, the one I was within, with him. You, you, he was longing for, for scripture and looked at the scriptures of what they mean. I pray that blessing be released from on high on him that is beyond even his years of experience, his knowledge, his, his intellect, his work ethic, that something supernatural in terms of an anointing come upon him and equip him for the days ahead to save the Republic. We believe you established this place and you established on your values, biblical values, Judeo-Christian values, and it's worth fighting for. It's worth maintaining. I pray everyone within the sound of our voice will do what he has said. But in the meantime, strengthen him for the journey ahead. In Jesus' name, I pray over him. Amen. Pam? Thank you, Jim. And Father, I just seal what Jim said. And Lord, I too think back to the things that Steve has said to me, wise things. And I remember even in his own trial, he said, pray for our enemies, pray for our enemies. So Father, tonight, I do pray for those that oppose you, for those that oppose um the conservative values that we're, we're standing for, the godly values, Lord, that we're standing for. Lord, I pray you either confuse the enemy so much or, Lord, that you just open their eyes, open their hearts to the darkness and, and Lord, fill them with light. And until then, Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to um, encourage Steve. We're so grateful that he is a truth teller, Lord. And I just pray you give him the desires of your heart, that you'll return to him the years that the locusts have eaten, the people that have tried to go after him so many times. And it doesn't work because, Lord, we know that you love him. We know that even in everything we've talked about tonight, Lord, that you reign over it all, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And, Father, we're so grateful for your son, Steve, and we're so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, that loves each and every one of us and gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And Lord, we just praise you and we ask you all of these things in the precious name. Amen. Thank you, Steve Bannon. Thank you for being on with us. We pray blessing on you as you go. You're Amen. welcome to stay on as long as thank you want, you. but I know you've got other things to do tonight. So thank you, my brother. Very yeah, very honored to be on here. Thank you guys for inviting me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Pam. Thanks. We're going now to Gina Loudon. I had the privilege of being the pastor to Gina Loudon once upon a time, way back. Now, Gina, I remember the first time we even met in Florida. <laughs> yes. We met through an interview. You interviewed me, and right in the middle of the interview, you said, you're going to become my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy times. Isn't that amazing? So and providential. exactly what happened. Gina. Give us a 30-second overview of your life, what you're doing now, the network you're with, 
shows you have, the books you have out, and then jump right into the topic. You have been in Mar-a-Lago uh, more times than anybody I know, and you are the only person that I know personally who's been in Mar-a-Lago since the horrific raid of a few days ago. At least that's my understanding. So uh, I want to get, I want you to jump in and uh, share a little bit about you for the first 30 seconds, then go mm-hmm. right in to help us understand what took place there. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you all so much. And yes, you will always be Pastor Garlow to me. I'm one of the uh, lucky few that uh, got to see your whole wedding and courting process, even uh, with your beautiful wife and, uh, and, and so much so much joy we shared together that chapter of our lives. I'm so thankful and I'm, I'm definitely a better person for that time. Um, and I'll never stop thinking of you as my pastor. Um, I, um, oh gosh, I, most important thing I do is I'm a mother of five children. Um, like you, Pastor Garlow, um, I have only one by the blessing of adoption. He happens to have Down syndrome. I am uh, busily trying to adopt a 17-year-old right now who's going to age out, but the system is making it very difficult for me. But mm-hmm. um, but um, I, I would say that that's definitely the most important thing about me other than um, that I just walk in faith every day. And I'm so thankful for people like all of you here tonight who um, help keep me on the right track <laughs> in the times when that's important. Um, I am a member at Mar-a-Lago. Um, oh, oh, my television um, stuff. I, I did Fox News for 10 years. I've also worked for um, One America News. I've also worked for Newsmax. Um, I'm with Real America's Voice, just like Steve is. So Steve's on during the day and I come on primetime. There's seven o'clock show, seven until eight o'clock. And um, love you guys to tune in and be part of that anytime you'd like to. Um, I, I'm, uh, I started promoting Donald Trump in my daily Fox hits and CNN and MSNBC at the time too. I was doing, um, I was doing all of the above at that time, uh, in 2015. Um, when I saw him one night, I, I knew, I knew most all of the candidates running and I had already committed actually to being the women for Trump person for California. This is when I still lived in San Diego. Uh, did I say women for Trump? Women for Cruz, rather. Women for Ted Cruz. Um, it, because I was very excited about Ted Cruz running and felt I was moral and morally and philosophically aligned with him. And uh, But I knew all of the candidates in when we had that massive field, you all will remember. And um, then one night I was at a debate between all of the candidates and Donald Trump was still being scoffed at for even being in the race, if you all can remember that point. And people were saying, oh, he's really a liberal. He's really a pro-abort. He's really this. He's really that. He's going to take our guns. He's just a billionaire who wants more screen time, all the rest. Um, And I I remember several of uh, the uh, events I would go and speak at, uh, I would be invited mostly to speak to mothers groups. I think at that time, I only had one book out. I now have three. But at that time, I would go and speak mostly to moms groups or adoption groups or pro-life groups mostly pro-life groups. And I would literally get booed off the stage because I was the only person out there constantly defending Donald Trump, one of one of a handful at that time who had a public platform on the news networks, who was uh, constantly defending Donald Trump. And the reason is because I remember this one event where there were all of the candidates. I still have the video from this moment. It's kind of fun. Uh, I need to show it on my show one of these nights. I keep meaning to do that um, because it is the night that I met him, first time ever. And uh, that night, all the candidates that I thought were my friends that I had interviewed multiple times that I'd helped, even including Ted Cruz, who I'd committed to as Women for Cruz California, um, every single one of them came in, did ABC, NBC, CBS, maybe Fox, and left. And there were still probably close to a hundred, maybe more um, independent journalists there uh, who had questions for all of them. And uh, they had all left. And the one person who stayed around for more than an hour until every single independent, excuse me, independent journalist got their question in was Donald Trump. And that told me something about his motives and his character that I thought was really important. And as I continued to look into the things that he was being accused of, I realized that I was running out of ammunition of reasons to continue to support Ted Cruz instead of Donald Trump. And I'm not trying to be political here, but for me, this is a, this is a Christian mission field. Um, 
my family was ultimately forced out of California because my husband was exposing the waste fraud and abuse happening in the political system in California. The governor at the time actually wrote two bills to excommunicate us from California. My husband's job was um, was became an illegal thing to do in the state of California. You can't make this up. And it, all the way to the Supreme Court, actually, we fought this. And um, so we had to go somewhere. And I just kind of went like that. I liked Palm Beach because it had pretty architecture that reminded me of San Diego. I never wanted to leave San Diego. I dreamed of living there my whole entire life. And I was devastated that we had to leave. And we ended up in Palm Beach. And um, by that point, I, of course, knew the president. He knew my work well. Um, we had a um, good ongoing dialogue happening. And um, so I've gotten to know him and his family uh, very well on a very personal level, all of them. And, um, and I, I truly believe, you know, though a very imperfect person, an imperfect family, uh, like we all have, um, certainly the commitment and the motivation and the character are, are there and the commitment to the constitution, which is what has always mattered the most to me. And I think that's been demonstrated. Um, so my husband and I joined Mar-a-Lago about three years ago and um, have been blessed to spend many evenings there, probably including the evening that Donald Trump um, welcomed the FBI agents into Mar-a-Lago and said, would you like to see the things that I have left over that you're so concerned about, these things that are, are you know, all in question, because he knew it was being investigated. Um, he opened his home to them. He took them in the basement where these items were. Um, they said, thank this? you. What date are you talking about now? I don't know the exact date. I don't know the exact date. And I don't, uh -huh. and I said, I'm guessing I was there that night because I am there most nights when he's there. Oh. And so, um, about how long ago approximately might you be coming a month or two or three or four ago or something like that? Or I'm thinking it was more around six months ago. Okay. I have to look back at the, at the, at the That's story helpful. that this story helpful. was out today. I believe in daily mail. I'm not exactly sure, but I believe it was daily mail. <clears throat> It was two months ago. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, producer Jason stepped in the room and corrected me as usual. Um, but, and, and so he, he did welcome them and he did show them and they said, you need to padlock this door. He did everything they said. He was cooperating fully. There was zero reason other than political for what happened on August 8th this year. I think this date, August 8th, will be more infamous in our history, certainly than January 6th and certainly than a lot of dates in our history. Um, there are a few reasons this doesn't make sense. That's one of them. Um, another one is that the president, as commander in chief, is also the master declassifier. He gets to decide what's classified and what's not classified. Donald Trump got to decide that. So he could declassify and take with him anything he wanted. So there's virtually no issue here, as is evidenced by the fact that Barack Obama took a bunch of documents that he hadn't even declassified and said he would digitize them and send them all to the archives. This was obviously more than five years ago. He never did that. Barack Obama never did that. He declassified and digitized zero of those to the National Archives and nobody's ever raided his home for this. So when you start to add up the facts and things like Steve alluded um, that they went into his private quarters upstairs, not the basement where these documents were located. And they knew they were located there because he had freely offered them a tour. Um, but they also went up into his private, his bedroom, his private desk, his wife's clothing, his wife's private closet and drawers of her private, most private things. Um, how that would be relevant to what belonged in the archives is is just it's it's mind boggling and it's so invasive and so um, so telling really it illuminates doesn't it uh, like a lot of things do and so um, I had the opportunity yesterday at Mar-a-Lago to interview Rudy Giuliani who as you know is one of his attorneys and a very good friend of mine and a very loyal friend of the president's and uh, he said that he'd spoken to the president I have not bothered the president I figure he's got much more important things to do than hear my opinion right now um, but Rudy had gone ahead I think justifiably and called him to see if he needed anything and the president answered the phone Rudy said by saying um, I think they've gone too far this time don't you Rudy 
And I, I think that's very telling. You said he was uh, in a good mood and great. And, and, and this is the great thing that I think all of you have probably garnered. My background's actually in psychology, thus the Dr. Gina. Um, the background is in human behavior. And um, one of the most amazing components of this president's personality, and I wrote a whole book on this called Mad Politics. Um, and um, it, one of the most amazing things about his personality is that when he is bullied or when he is attacked, uh, he comes back fighting. It literally is the fuel that he runs on. I've never seen anything like it because when, 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 but a lot of us have copied it. A lot of us have seen him in this mode who've worked around him and realized that he works harder when he's insulted or attacked. Um, we should all learn something from that. What, what a great, what a great way to be in the battle at all times, right? For righteousness. Um, there are times where I, I've been with him personally, where he's been just relentlessly attacked or accused of something crazy. And I'll see him, you know, later that day at the White House or, or later that evening at Mar-a-Lago at dinner time. And he is not happier on those days, but there is just a greater determination on those days. So referring again back to what Steve said, um, I think it's all the more likely that he would go ahead and declare his candidacy if he sees that the components of that make sense for the midterm elections. I think that's the only thing he's probably grappling with right now is what would the what would any unintended consequences of that mean? Um, so I find that part of of the of what has happened over the last couple of days to be super defining in terms of what the FBI and the DOJ are really after here, what they're really after here. The only thing I can determine is that based on the facts that I told you is that uh, they are trying to keep him out of the White House. They want a reason to put him in prison because that's where they, that's the only way they think because this man does seem so absolutely anointed and so absolutely um, resilient to their bullying and attacks that I believe that they want to do these things to him so that they can put him in prison. Because if they can put him in prison, that would be one way that they could keep him from running. And I don't think, I, I totally agree with Steve and with the president who both said that they don't believe that um, put planting something on in, in his spaces would be unthinkable. I think that they've demonstrated that the truth is not a factor for them. This is very much a, a, um, a war happening in the spiritual realm. There's no question about that. This is the battle between good and evil. This is a battle between Marxism and Christianity. And Marxists know they cannot coexist with Christians. And not only can they not coexist with them, they can't just shut them up. They must kill them. They must get rid of them. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm the last person to want to do that. And I totally believe the hand of God is in all of this. Um, but it is for exactly that reason that I certainly continue to fight. And I know all of you are here for that exact purpose too. Thank you, Gina, for couching it that way. I just, I just want to say to our wider audience, including those critics who might be listening, Gina has said it perfectly right. This is a war for Christianity. It's a war for distinctly Christian values. I said at the outside, we're way beyond partisanship. Uh, she outlined Christianity versus Marxism. Marxism mm -hmm. is of the evil one himself. Uh, Gina used a phrase a moment ago, we're in the battle for righteousness, and that's exactly why we're doing this call tonight, for righteousness, holiness, goodness, truth, all the things we value, the virtues of Judeo-Christian Christianity, that's why we're on, on this call. Gina, a question, would, I know this is one you can't answer, but ponder it with me, as those FBI agents are going, not to the basement, they're going to the living quarters and going through Melania's clothing and through the door, wouldn't there be some awareness? We're, we're going beyond rationality. I know evil darkens the mind of people and, and it becomes like a mental illness. So I, I get that. But wouldn't there have been an element of decency that they think we're, we're going to have a blowback that's going to be Why would they not think that what they're doing could be considered acceptable. Do you have any insights on that? Maybe I'm asking you as one who studies psychology so much, but how do you explain an otherwise institution that used to be respected now that virtually nobody respects in America any longer, which is shocking to say, 
-hmm. Why would there have been some thought, we better not do that? Help me with that. Well, I, I had this great pastor named Jim Garlow who explained to me that good doesn't exist with evil. And this is really the evil. This is absolute corruption corrupting absolutely. Um, and so if you have someone who, I mean, this isn't a psychological question, pastor, uh, this is a spiritual question. This is where you're the expert, not me, but that's my understanding. And I think you're absolutely right that people get beyond a rational point. I, I think the scripture that's relevant, I can't cite it. I'm sure you all probably can, but it's uh, that God turns them over to their evil acts. Right. Romans and uh, yeah, I'm sorry, say it again. Cause I'd like to know Romans it. chapter one. Okay, so if they're turned over to evil, then they wouldn't have what you and I would consider a moral thought or even a respect for the agency that for so long was so well respected. Um, you know, Ron Paul, not Rand Paul, Ron Paul warned about this. I believe it was back in the late 70s or early 80s. I, I forget the date. Um, but he warned about this, that, that the FBI had such power that they would be able to carry out the most heinous of acts um, against the American people. And it was almost prophetic in the way that he did it. And he spelled it out in great detail. You all, you all can search it and look it up. When you consider things like that, the magistrate who granted this warrant, and, and by the way, if you guys are watching uh, any of the corporate media right now, instead of watching Real America's Voice, where you all should be watching Steve and me every day, hopefully, um, and, uh, and or certainly Newsmax as well, as, as I, I know you have a guest on from that network as well. Um, but if you are watching the corporate media right now, you're hearing this argument constantly that, um, that why, why doesn't uh, Donald Trump turn over the warrant? Well, the reason he doesn't turn over the warrant is because no one would give his attorneys or him a copy of the warrant. They don't have a copy of it. That's why he's not turning it over. He doesn't have it. it Want to talk about a constitutional infringement. This is the highest level of constitutional infringement. But that warrant was, was I'm sure many of you have read, uh, was granted by the magistrate who was a um, who literally took a leave of absence, if my understanding is correct, um, to defend Epstein of all people, the, the child predator <laughs> from right here in Palm Beach. Palm Beach really is a, an interesting place to live, folks. Um, but, and so, so, and you know that Donald Trump, the minute he found out what Jeffrey Epstein had done, he banned him from his club, from all of his hotels, and he took a strong stand against it. And this is far before he ever had any uh, inkling to ever run for president. So that's the kind of evil that we're dealing with here. Um, and, 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 you know, clear down to the judges, the magistrate, uh, the, um, you know, the, the agencies, it, it just, it goes on and on. It permeates. There used to be a radio talk show host that would say liberalism is a mental illness. Yeah. Liberalism itself, liberalism, if it was properly liberalism, would not be. But leftism, True. or so-called, well, they use the term progressivism, which really is not progressive. No. Uh, that is a mental illness. Sin brings a mental illness. I believe it's the writer of Ephesians, Paul, that speaks of the blindness, the spiritual blindness that comes over individuals who walk in habitual sin. And that's the only explanation that I can give for why people are doing the kind of things that they're now doing in, in, our, in our society. Gina, we've kept you much longer. I plan. Oh, Mario, let me go to Mario for some questions for Dr. Gina. Yes, uh, uh, Gina, thank you so much. Um, do you That's know right. if, if Melania or any of the family were at Mar-a-Lago Mar when this happened? Okay, so so this is something that's typically, um, I sure didn't understand it until I moved and lived here. Um, Palm Beach has a season, and the season runs roughly from Halloween uh, to Mother's Day, just for dates. Um, and the rest of the year, which is just basically the summertime, most of the people in Palm Beach uh, head to the Hamptons, just head to someplace a little bit cooler, because as I said, it's 95 here right now, and no one in their right mind is here, and that tells you why I'm here, <laughs> but, um, but, and so, so that's kind of how that works, and you've heard the term snowbirds, you've heard that used with Florida, it's becoming less and less common, because more people have moved here year-round, because of obviously the tax advantages and things like that, but generally speaking, no one is here who, who, uh, who comes here uh, who has the kind of wealth that the Trumps have. Uh, so for those summer months, 
the president and his family, uh, well, not his family really anymore, not his older children, they all live here permanently now. Uh, so Eric and Kimberly and uh, Ivanka, um, they're all here permanently. I believe Tiffany lives elsewhere. But, um, and Baron, though, of course, lives here with him and actually uh, is a friend of my children's, which is just surreal to me these days too. Um, but um, so Palm Beach, Palm Beach becomes a very small, some very small town during that time. Uh, but the president and Melania and Baron go back to um, Bedminster in New Jersey for the summer. So no is the answer to your question. But his attorneys were there and obviously his staff was there, um, which as Steve alluded, it was reported today that there is perhaps a mole uh, in the staff, which is very upsetting. Um, we should be used to it though, honestly, by this point, um, people turn coding. But um, so that's, that's how that went down. No, he, he wasn't there. And I don't believe there was any warning. Now there's great talk in Florida as to who all did know. Um, did the Palm Beach Police Department know? Did Ron DeSantis know? Uh, did the Secret Service that works at Mar-a-Lago know? So there are still a lot of questions left unanswered that uh, we're all asking every single day on our shows right now to try to get down to the nitty gritty on this as we're so close to it and can see so clearly. But I do want to say one really encouraging thing, if I may, that I didn't say yet, and that is the night of the raid, I was in mid-program basically when the news broke um, and, and I literally left halfway during my show, went straight to Mar-a-Lago and um, started live coverage there. We were the first ones on the scene at Mar-a-Lago, um, followed closely by Gateway Pundit, an excellent reporter. If you don't read Gateway Pundit, you, that's definitely a great news source. Um, and uh, Jim and I have actually been working with Steve Bannon since Andrew Breitbart was alive. So that tells you how far we all go back as folks trying to get to the truth for a long, long time. Uh, Jim Hoft is the owner of Gateway Pundit. And um, anyway, when I got there, uh, there were already, already there was a rally forming for President Trump out in front of Mar-a-Lago. And uh, there were a lot of people there who were just coming to witness what had happened, but they were um, singing hymns, singing freedom songs. There was already a whole parade that was taking place. It was almost unbelievable to see. So I went from watching people just about crying over the travesty of justice that they were witnessing to this amazing spiritual experience out in front of Mar-a-Lago that still hasn't stopped they are still there this many days later. I just want to let you all know that because I think um, the power of, of just the unity and fellowship of those who are believers is, is uh, it just manifest all over this thing. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, we so thank you and, and Steve. Your words have been very encouraging how what we know President Trump actually, this brings him energy and just his response to this and the people as well as the backlash that seems to be happening that they just push too far. Uh, Jim, if it's okay with you, I'd like to ask Dr. Gina if she can uh, pray for the president, his family, and for our nation. Yeah, I'm going to have you do that. Th thank you, Mark. Just one second. Uh, Gina, what time, remind, remind us all again, what time of the day, or night actually, did this raid actually take place? Well, it was a very long time. My understanding is, and I, and, and, you know, pastor, please know that I'm, you know, I'm reading these sources and I don't know always if all of them have absolutely been confirmed. So I'm telling you unconfirmed information here, but what I've read is that it started at about 4.30 in the morning. So a lot like what they did to Roger Stone, a lot like what they did to Rudy Giuliani, a lot like what they did uh, to Flynn. I mean, and so many others, they just raid in the wee hours. Um, and then my understanding is that they were there around nine hours. Again, I've read conflicting reports, so I'm, I'm giving you very loose guidelines, but that's my understanding. Nine hours. I had no idea it was that long. Uh, how soon was the president notified, or do you know? Uh, of it, was he notified immediately as it began? Well, um, according to what I've read, um, Eric, his son, who's married to Laura Trump, um, was notified first, which would make sense because my understanding is, as a member of Mar-a-Lago, that Eric sort of runs that side of the business. Um, so Eric was notified first, and then Eric did call his his father. So I don't know what time any of that was, but I, I'm, my understanding is that's the order of events, at least as it's been reported so far. You may not be able to confirm this. My understanding is that the FBI local department in, in there in Florida was not notified of it themselves. These guys came out of Washington. The local mm. were, were not notified until five minutes before 
Is that accurate or is that a bogus report that I've heard? Hmm. I heard the same report. I don't know the answer to that question. I certainly have no inside information or anything like that. I have interviewed and talked to a lot of the police department. I will say this, um, sadly, I hate saying this uh, because it's where I live, but I will say that the Palm Beach police have been not supportive of the uh, flag wavers and the people that want to be there praying and um, singing freedom songs and things like that. Uh, and the media, frankly, they were kind of chasing us all off constantly, roping off more and more so that not many people could fit there. That kind of thing um, left us with maybe 25 to 50 parking places, would you say, Producer Jason? Yeah. And, um, and so that people couldn't, you know, so that you couldn't pull your truck up. You know, we had a air-conditioned nice vehicle there that we wanted to park there and, and they ultimately made that impossible um it seems that there has been if you're li if you live here you can kind of feel it just the blocking off of certain areas cordoning off and things to make it very difficult to have a rally and to for media to cover this event it seems to have been a very concerted effort by i don't know if it's the police department or the city the mayors i don't know I say this as I look into the camera, and I say this on purpose periodically for my fact checkers from social media. Gina used the phrase there, folks, we're folks trying to get to the truth. We are folks trying to get to the truth. I'm quoting her. I wrote it down when she said it. We are folks trying to get to the truth. I want to say that to the fact checkers who so nobly come on and want to challenge. Uh, contact me personally if you want to come on and talk to any of these people that I'm interviewing right now. We are folks wanting to get to the truth, Yeah. period. I want to make that clear. Gina, yeah. I so appreciate you coming on. And Mario's suggestion is a great one. You're leading in prayer for the president. You, you've been in Mar-a-Lago Mar so many times. <clears throat> you've been with him on so many flights. And you've served the president so well. Thank you for, uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you for the way you stand. I'm immensely proud of you. Your accomplishments uh -huh. are pretty impressive. And one of the things you don't know about Gina is uh, she and her husband, she has a wonderful husband, and she and her husband uh, not only had wonderful children, uh, children I know, but she also ad adopted a uh, special needs child, uh, Down syndrome child. Do I have that right? You do. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and that's one of the pride and joy of Gina's life is uh, her, uh, most people would say special needs. Uh, but he, he's the yeah, apple of her eye. He gets a lot of <laughs> doting and loving attention. Gina is so proud of this special, what people would call Down syndrome. This is a special child of God that Gina and her husband really love and cherish and, and, and care for. That's some things you ought to know from the background of the life of Gina Loudon. So immensely proud of you and your whole family. Love you guys. Can you pray uh, lead in prayer for the president right now? All right. Well, thank you so much, um, Pastor Garlow. And thanks to all of you, really, for being here and taking the time. Uh, this is this is heady stuff, and it's heavy stuff, and you deal with heavy stuff all day. So I'm, I'm just so honored to be with you. Um, Heavenly Father, we, we just come before you so humbly, and we know that um, if we will humble, humble ourselves, and we will pray, and we will seek your face, that uh, you will absolutely turn favor back on our nation. And we've seen you do it before, so we have no right not to believe uh, is our memories sometimes are short and we grow weary, but we know, we know what we know, and we have no excuse not to believe that you will absolutely turn our nation back to you, which is really the important part of this is turning it back to you. And it's not so that we can be victorious, but it's so that, so that you can have the glory. And we, we bear that in mind as we go forward with all the things that Steve said about uh, not just becoming poll workers, but becoming poll judges and, and, and being there to witness. And, and, and certainly we know we're all called to this, you know, really civic duty because it is part of what you laid out in the scripture so eloquently that how can we possibly say no to that call, especially not in lieu of um, some sort of uh, duty that we believe is higher because at this point, as we watch our country and our leaders be led into true Marxism, we know that Marxism won't exist with you and that good can't exist with evil. And so we call on you really, Lord, to just um, just go back into the hearts of those who, who 
have lost their, their way in you. And we ask that for all of our leaders to purify their hearts and to the degree that we're all leaders on this phone call in our own little worlds, we ask you to, to purify us once again and, and sanctify us in you and help us to wrap in that beautiful robe of righteousness that has all of the all of the comfort and the security and the confidence that we need to progress and to proceed um, in real tangible ways that glorify you. And we do ask a special blessing over President Trump, over his family. We, we pray that hedge of protection over literally everyone on this phone call, even those who would seek our destruction. Lord, we just ask you uh, to protect all of us and to help us have this uh, real civil discourse that you uh, are illuminated in the midst of. I really believe that. And Lord, we ask uh, your protection over all of the Trump children specifically and grandchildren mm -hmm. Uh, because um, their lives are threatened every single day. And to, to every, every supporter who's just, you know, to every pure hearted support out there who's literally just trying so hard to uphold truth as they see it, to find it every day, questioning themselves the whole way, but just seeking you, seeking truth uh, and, and seeking love. And we ask you to protect all of those people as well and to uphold them and give them strength that they didn't know they had encourage that they didn't even know they could attain and uh, love that is is what you're all about we just ask that for everyone on this call for everyone beyond this call um, for everyone within our reach we ask that and um, lord i ask again a special anointing over the pastors on this phone call the world has never needed true pastors more than it needs them now and um, we ask all of this in jesus's holy name Amen. Thank you, Gina. Thank you so much. We so appreciate you. Blessings on you. And greet your husband and your kids for me, okay? We'll do. You do the same. Love to your whole family, Pastor. And thank you so much, all of you, for having me today. Blessings on you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.